Oz did say to me, you know, all these little differences will add up to a big difference. So I knew it wasn't called a parking lot, but I couldn't remember that it was a car park. And so I'd be afraid to talk and I'd feel like, oh, I'm so American and they're going to judge me as soon as I open my mouth. So I felt very self-conscious and I had to really go back to my identity as I am God's beloved. Mm. I am a child of God. That is my worth. God sees me. God hears me. I know who I am because he loves me. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, he sees you, and he loves you because you are his. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Elisa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy. And we've all experienced transitions in life. Maybe it was the end of a relationship or sending a child to college or suddenly losing a job. It's easy to find our identity in a variety of things and we can feel so unsettled when those things disappear. Considering all the transitions in the world and in our lives today, Elisa and I feel like it's the perfect time to revisit a conversation we had with Amy boucher Pie in season one. Join us as Amy discusses how God led her through a major life transition of her own. And through Amy's experience, there may be some helpful ideas for the rest of us for the next time we enter a season of transition. But first, a little background on Amy boucher Pie. Amy is a writer and a speaker and an American living in London, which is a really important detail of her story. She writes devotional thoughts for several publications, including Our Daily Bread, and as the author of the award-winning Finding Myself in Britain and the Living Cross. This is God Hears Her with Amy boucher Pie. I met an Englishman of over 20 years ago, and we got married. And the deal was, was that he was going to finish his seminary. And in the Church of England, you have to give back three years being a curate. So we were going to be in England five to seven years. It's been 22. Oh, my goodness. And he's English. He's very English. Okay. Where yes. did you meet? We met when he was at seminary outside of Washington, D.C. We met at a book club. Nice. I so walked romantic. in. I know. I walked in, and he said he had an aha moment. Oh, I so, love that. Did you? Uh-uh. No. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Mine came later. Yours, Yours came, came later. later. Yeah. How much longer later? Oh, not long. Okay. Not long. Okay. Yeah. So you're in. he's in seminary. You meet at a book club. Mm-hmm. How long did you court not long. We actually started talking about marriage after our third date, oh, gosh. which we don't recommend, but yeah. <laughs> and he actually proposed to me on the day Diana was buried. Well, he was. He tried to. I have a whole chapter in my first book, Finding Myself in Britain, um, about how he tried to propose. But I was living in Washington, D.C., and he came And he was there at the same time, and he was taking me out to dinner. And I knew he was going to propose. I called my best friend. I did my fingernails. (laughs) I'm like, he's going to do it. Tonight's the night. And then he took me because he wanted to propose on British soil, which was so cool. But that was the day Diana was buried. And so can you imagine what the British embassy was like? Oh, my goodness. There was police directing traffic, people selling flowers. It was a mad, just a bedlam. It was such a mess. Mm-hmm. So we got up there. He had these dozen roses in front of all of these flowers. And that's, I didn't know this, yes. but that's when he gets a nudge from the Holy Spirit going, 
You know, if you marry her, there might be other times when you're away from your country. Are you ready to count the cost? Wow. And he wasn't, which actually is because he takes things so seriously. He thinks Mm. them through. So he gave... My dozen roses to Diana. Oh, my So goodness. he did that, and then he turned to me and gave so me this. So he put the flowers hug. in yeah. the pile with all the other funeral flowers. And I'm flowers. like, what's wow. happening here? My plan is not yeah. going to be. My, my nails. My nails. <laughs> my nails. My nails. <laughs> so oh. it was 24 hours of heartache, and then he came back the next day after church. Oh, and wow. we had broken up, and then he oh. came back and went shopping on Sunday, which he didn't like to do, to buy another dozen roses and came and proposed. But it had a happy ending, but there was some drama there. So you did break up. Yes. When when you saw or when you felt like when it, it didn't wasn't happen. happen. When he gave yeah. the flowers to Diana. Yeah. Well, he yeah. just, he was still counting the cost and no, said, I guess I I'm you. just going to have to go back to England and mm-hmm. we'll have to, I'm like, okay, it's done. See, and yeah, then three gosh. hours later, he came back. That was a difficult oh. three hours. It was. I was, yeah. So was, you married and you ended up moving. I did. Britain. Yes, yeah. because he was still in seminary or theological college as they call it. And you stayed there. You've lived I there did. for 20 something years now. Yes. Yes. So, wow, what's it like to be don't we call that an expat? Is that the well, right term? Well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. You're either an immigrant or an expat or, or what? what are you? Because yeah. you're American. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I am British too now. Okay. I do. I am a subject of the queen. I have a dual citizenship. And the king, uh, uh, meaning uh, Jesus. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I was just <laughs> going to say in the most important citizenship oh, okay. Is our heavenly citizenship, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's an adjustment. But we live in London, and, I mean, being an American in London is not even that interesting because there are so many people from so many different nations. Our church is, we have about 100 or so, and we have about 19 nationalities. Oh, nice. Wow. So it's just a taste of heaven. It really is wonderful. And we Americans are so insulated Mm -hmm. uh, and duh about the the reality of our global church that is wonderful that you get to worship constantly in that i want to go back 22 3 4 however many years it is and ask you about what the process was like you know you're you're a young excited bride with her fingernails done you know thinking Mm. this is going to be awesome and i'm falling in love and here we go what was it like to pick up roots and and move. You didn't probably know it was going to be as long as it no, did. No, so I didn't know. Tell us I, about that transition. Well, it was it was devastating, actually. I was this career woman living yeah. in Washington, D.C. I had mm. a very wonderful life with the church and lots of friends. And then I moved to England. We were in Cambridge at first. And I was all of a sudden Mrs. Pye, you know, going to a doctor's appointment, and they called for Mrs. Pye. I'm like, who's that? That's my mother-in-law. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. And and to not work, I wasn't working at first. And what was your profession in those well, days? Well, I was an editor. Okay. okay. Um, I hadn't okay. moved into writing yet. And I had worked with Oz Guinness in Washington, D.C., Wow. and he talks a lot about calling. And I knew that my calling mm. was not my work. Mm. But, oh, boy, when you're not working, you're like, who am I? And where is God? And I thought this was all right, and it is right, and I know it's right to be married, but it's so hard to be away from my family. And this was when the Internet was, I mean, the Internet was there, but the U.K. was behind a bit, Mm. and we didn't have mobile phones, and we definitely didn't have Skype, or, I mean, even a phone call was really Mm. expensive. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was cut off, and... I wasn't working, and who am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I felt like a little child, actually. Of, wow. I think because the language and Oz did say to me, you know, 
all these little differences will add up to a big difference. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't called a parking lot, but I couldn't remember that it was a car park. And so I'd be afraid to talk and I'd feel like, oh, I'm so American and they're going to judge me as yeah. soon as I open my mouth. So I felt very self-conscious and I had to really go back to my identity as I am God's beloved. Mm. I am a child of God. Mm -hmm. That is my worth. God sees me. God yeah. hears me. Mm -hmm. I know who I am because he loves me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that I'm not working. I'm yeah. not contributing to the household finances. Mm -hmm. I can just live in Cambridge and go punting on the cam, you know, punting it or those yeah. boats. And, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and just be a tourist for a little bit mm -hmm. and it's okay. But it was a long, long process. And it, you know, even at times now, not so much in London, but if I'm speaking out in the country, mm. quite often people say, oh, how long mm. are you visiting? Oh. <laughs> you know, oh, 22 years. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can tell just by your accent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Being well, more American. That's just so, I mean, you learned, you learned something through that process, being completely stripped of anything you found your identity yes. in, yes. To, un to walk into where your true identity That's right. Is. And I think so many women can relate to that because yeah. we're stripped of our identity you know, as a student, then you move out, maybe you get married, and then you, maybe you have kids, and maybe your kids grow up, yeah. and you're not, you know, a mother in the same way anymore, or your job changes, or you lose your job. But I think that's real, Amy, what yes. you're talking about, especially for women, because we do um, lay aside roles, yes. and we mistake roles for identity. That's yes. right. And it yes. gets really confusing when you've laid aside roles. I remember when I, I left being the CEO at a nonprofit that I just had been the poster child for for 20 years. And I called it the dismantling of Elisa. Oh, and and wow. I mean, I wanted to be less necessary, not unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> and you, yes. and it's, it's a very humbling mm. process. Yes. And, and how does... did you stay true to who you are in the midst of that? Yeah. Well, it's really what you just said. You know, yeah. you have to remember who you are and how God sees you and realize that my identity is not the role. The role yes. was a place I was invited to serve. Yeah, that's right. But I'm still here. It's just, it's very different and it takes a huge adjustment. And mm -hmm. I know so many women who've gone through that it is to become empty nesters and all the busyness of having kids around is suddenly evaporated yeah. or vice versa, you know, the opposite direction. They've been in a busy career and suddenly they decide to stay home with their kids. Yeah. What yes. happened to me? Yeah. Oh, you know, yes. so this is this is a real felt need. You gave yourself permission to to play a little bit and be a I tourist. Like to. when you said that, yeah. that would be really hard having a career and a community of people that you're constantly surround serving, giving, and then you're in a place what feels a little isolating yes. and then you're dismantling to not know who you are. But then you're like, I'm going to give myself permission to play a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to give myself permission. I mean, it was still hard. And yeah. I think, you know, walking alongside yourself, I think C.S. Lewis says, and I felt so often that I was walking alongside myself mm -hmm. and not living in the present in the moment. So it was a struggle to mm -hmm. ask God to really connect all those parts of me. And friendship with women actually is yeah. really how God helped me too. I mean, obviously, I had my wonderful relationship with my husband. Sure. But I had so many friends in D.C., and I just prayed, Lord, please just send me at least one friend. Mm. And he sent me a lovely Irish woman, mm. a lovely South African woman, and a lovely Scottish woman. Oh, my goodness. In the first place we lived. And it was such a godsend. How did you meet them? Through church. Just church. Yeah, yes. church. Did you have to be a participant in that process or did God just put them on your doorstep? Oh no, I had to, <laughs> yeah, that's I a had great to, question. yeah, no, I had mm. to pursue them. What did you do? 
I don't even remember, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. We can come back to that. Yeah. Because what I wanted to ask is, if you could, for a few minutes, make it practical in terms of looking back. And most of us are kind of like just in a daze when we go through transition and we don't even know how we survive it. Mm-hmm. But looking back, can you identify some principles or actions that you took that helped you through the transition? Because so many women listening are going through some kind yeah. of transition and they're going, oh, you're you're speaking my language. I'm yeah. stuck. I'm in a daze. I'm in a fog. I've lost myself. Yes. Any principles? Looking for friends, asking for looking friends, for remembering friends. Your, your identity really I is. I think really going back to first principles of making sure your relationship with God is completely solid. Mm-hmm. Because in those tender times, you know, it's so easy to be swayed by the different winds or the insecurities or yeah. nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I made back a... in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made a gaffe. I mean, oh, we've moved a couple of times. That would be times. a mistake. Excuse me. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake of saying something horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so really going back to the first principles of reigniting your relationship with God, mm-hmm. that love relationship that you have, reading the Bible, praying, asking to hear, to mm-hmm. sense God's voice so that you know that your identity is so solid. And then going out there and praying and asking God, send me some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I have met a lot of friends at the gym. Okay. I love going to like body combat classes and awesome. body pump and all of that. And there I just play. I mean, I play being the American because it's uh-huh. I can be loud and outgoing and trying to make friends. And I always say, oh, I'm Amy because Brits don't like to introduce themselves. Yeah. This is Aaron. Aaron, have you met Elisa? And so I think really mm. going out and asking God to help you find friends, but then also doing your part in that. Okay. And, you know, sometimes it's making a plan, joining a crafting group Mm -hmm. or a writing group or a walking group or whatever kind of group it is and go, Lord, help me find myself in you and help me to also be your light in Mm -hmm. this season. Mm -hmm. And I think as we look outside of ourselves and go, she's really hurting right now or... You know, Mm. she's got a need. How can I minister to her? Mm. And then we start to feel better about who we are because God's like, I can use you as my hands. Yeah. I'll be working through you. Yeah. Mm. I think um, one of the best pieces of advice I've received is to invest by owing. Think about that. So instead of just being the answer woman, which we think is the Mm. Jesus-y thing to do, you know, say, can you help me? Yes. To invite. Yeah, to invite somebody else. Can you help me? And then somebody else is going to feel valued Mm -hmm. and necessary. And so then you have this beautiful mutual exchange. Mm. That's kind of cool. So you ended up staying for all these years. So what has surprised you about that? And has anything shifted? I mean, you're probably the welcoming one now. Well, I hope I am. Well, because you probably know what it's like to feel on the outside. On the other side. Yes. And a friend mm-hmm. of mine, an English woman who actually is American, but she sounds Downton Abbey, you know, she mm-hmm. really does. Mm-hmm. She said right when she was living in Washington, D.C. when we were engaged, and she said, you know, Amy, you'll just always have one foot on each side mm-hmm. of the pond now. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I think not just with me in my life, yeah. but that's true in life. Sometimes we have to relinquish something, mm-hmm. but God gives it back to us in another yeah. way. I'm still mm-hmm. close with my family. I mean, we don't get to see each other as much, but we, mm-hmm. the bonds are strong and connected. And I get to come back every now and again, like now, and go to Target. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Target run. Yeah. Target. Target right. boutique. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> 
When we come back, the conversation with Amy continues on the topic of identity and specifically her struggle to step confidently into becoming who God made her to be. For anyone who's struggling with the questions, who am I or who am I supposed to be? Don't miss the rest of this conversation. I found it so helpful. I hope you do too. That's coming up on God Hears Her. If you haven't already joined the God Hears Her email newsletter, now is the perfect time. Sign up today and we'll send you a free digital e-booklet called Longing to Love Us. You'll see how one woman came to understand the personal love of her Heavenly Father and how He lavishly loves each one of us as well. Go to GodHearsHer.org and sign up today. That's GodHearsHer.org. And now, back to our show. My whole journey as a writer and as a speaker has been accepting who God has made me in Christ and that I have a brain Mm -hmm. and that I can think. Mm -hmm. And at one level, the whole academic study, way until the end, until I got to the dissertation, I just didn't think I belonged, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't smart enough, that I couldn't do this deep kind of reading and this critical thinking. And and I I just battled on through the end. And that was part of God transforming me to say, I am your teacher, mm. you know, to take mm. Psalm 23 and say, mm. though you might walk through the valley of bad um, papers, I am the one who upholds <laughs> yeah. you. I am your teacher and I give you my wisdom. So receive it and know that you're my child. It's back to who I am in Christ. That's mm. a real recurring theme for me. You've personalized that beautifully. Yeah. And I, I hope Maybe everybody listening can think about that. Though I walk through fill in the blank. Yeah, exactly. God is with me. Yes. That's very personal. Good. How have you both, when you've walked through the valley of whatever, Mm -hmm. how have you felt God's presence Mm -hmm. near you and changing you? Mm -hmm. I went through a divorce Uh and then a lot of debt, like almost filed for bankruptcy, business, struggling. I mean, just all sorts of when I talk about metrics of where we find our identity and our self-worth that are not sustainable, yes. mine was in relationships and status and okay. finance and all of that. So then when I was stripped of it, I was at the end of myself mm. and I had to ask God, like, God, I want to see myself the way you see me oh, because I'm yeah. seeing myself through all of these circumstances. And that's where it was like an overwhelming peace and like I can't it's like it felt like a hug Hmm. of his presence oh yes when I just prayed and surrendered my life to him and was just like please make something new of this renew my life transform me yes and change things inside of me and heal areas that I don't even know how to even approach Hmm. I'm remembering a, a situation when I was on a plane coming home from a speaking engagement and our family was going through such difficult times. My daughter was pregnant as a teenager. My son was finding himself in hard places and I couldn't be home for some important moments and I was on my way home and my flight was delayed. And it was like, really, God, you know where I need to be. Please, please, please. And I looked out the window. We were stuck on this tarmac and that actually, Amy, Psalm 23 went through my my heart. Oh, okay. And it was not the verse of just though you walk through, it was, I will make you lie down in green pastures. And I looked out the window and there was this tiny scrap of green in the middle of the runway, uh, grass. And I just thought, I'm going to commit right now, God, to look for the green. 
you yeah. know, the pasture, the yes. place that you're going to help me to lie down when yes. I'm walking through the whatever. Even though it's storming all around. Whatever it is. And, you know, I think, you know, our conversation's been about being in transition, you know, talking a lot about moving in as an American mm-hmm. to the United Kingdom, to London. But all of us are in transitions yes. where things that we depend on are stripped away. Mm-hmm. And the assurance, the transformative truth is that even though we walk through God's with us and that he will make us lie down. So let's look for the green, look if you will. Look for the green. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's such a good reminder. Going back to you, what would you tell anybody that's listening that doesn't feel like God hears them or sees them? And you can look back and you see when you may have felt that way. What would you tell them? Well, I would say to get quiet. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if that works for them, if they're a huge extrovert, they might need to get talking to another person. But for me, I was reading the Bible in that wonderful part of Isaiah where God says, I've known you and I love you. You are my beloved. And there are just different parts in the Bible where you just can hear God speaking through the words of Scripture. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit leads us to the Scripture that we need to go to at the right time, whether on our own or whether through the help of another person. And the Holy Spirit will bring that alive, and it'll be like God is speaking straight to your heart. And that's what I needed to hear, Mm. is that I was beloved by God and that he loved me, he knew me, he saw me, he hears me. And I think a lot of the time we have to ask him to help us turn off our whatever voices of I'm not good enough, I've done this, I've done that, and just to quiet down. And you could put your hand on your heart and go, I've asked you, Lord Jesus, to come live in me and I know you do. So please speak through the words of the Bible. And I think God will. And then just hold on to that truth. Write it out and put it on over your sink if you're washing the dishes or on your phone or on your computer and just live out of the truth that God is with us. God is with us. He sees us. He hears us. He knows us. And nothing anyone can say, including ourselves, can change that. That's so encouraging. And before we close out today's episode, just a quick reminder that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but you will also find a link to connect with Elisa and me on social. So check out the show notes on our website, godhearsher.org. The show notes also contain a link to sign up for the God Hears Her newsletter featuring helpful articles and stories from women, just like you and me, who are discovering what it means to be seen and heard by God. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Daniel Ryan Day and Mary Jo Clark. And we also want to give a quick shout out to Kathy, Jody, and Luann for their help in creating and promoting the God Hears Her podcast. Thanks, y'all. God Hears Her is a production of Her Daily Bread Ministries.